Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. Craig and I have been doing uh, some fairly serious, some modern horror movies, and uh, we decided last week that we needed to throw things back a little bit to some of that cheesy 80s, 90s schlock that uh, you all love so much. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I had dug up this movie that I had seen a while back. I think I originally saw it on cable. And then at one point I wanted to show it to a friend of mine, so I went out and rented it. And uh, it's called There's Nothing Out There, out in 1991. And it has been... 20 years probably since I've seen this movie. And so uh, it was really interesting to come back and revisit it. What I remembered it being was not a great film, uh, a pretty low budget, a somewhat amateurish effort, but that's something that had a little bit of heart to it. And uh, I enjoyed watching nonetheless and had kind of an interesting twist to it. So I selected it for us to watch this week and we did. And so here we are talking about it. Craig, had you ever heard anything about this movie before? No, nothing. I had never heard of it. Going in and looking it up and then watching it, nothing. (laughs) It was completely off my radar. Well, it has a really interesting uh, history behind it. Uh, The director, Rolf uh, Konefsky, the writer-director of this film, has actually, is very prolific. Uh, He's written a ton of screenplays. He's uh, produced a number of movies, directed a number of movies. A lot of them are like straight-to-video things. He's bounced in between horror and like softcore type stuff or like Cinemax and things like that, but always working and always, always moving. But he pretty much grew up in the industry. His father was an editor, a film editor, had his own independent film editing company. And actually, a fun fact, his father was the editor for Bloodsucking Freaks, which is a pretty notorious horror film from the 70s. And then his mother, uh, an actress on Broadway. So, I mean, he he comes from this background where when he was a kid, even in high school, uh, he knew he wanted to be in film, and he was running around shooting movies on video and stuff like that, and writing screenplays. I mean, he wrote the the screenplay for this movie actually when he was 16 uh, along with a number of others and then by the time he was graduating from high school he said he and his parents sort of decided well now it's time for you to make your movie have a look at what you've written and uh, what of it l- looks the best to start out with what would be a, your good directorial debut looking at the scripts that he had done uh, this one stood out because it was a horror movie and horror movies at the time were really big this would have been 1989 you know there was you know Jason and Freddy were still in the Wait. theaters is that right? I thought it was like, oh, yeah, 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 that's right. Just kidding. I was thinking it was earlier, but no, that's right. Because it came out, actually, I think, what, 90, 91, something yeah, like that? Yeah, it was finished in 90, came out in 91, yeah. So uh, it, it had a bit, you know, a bit of a delay, obviously, in getting it all out there. Right. But in the middle of that time, between 89 and 91, horror took a bit of a nosedive. Tremors came out, and um, it, it was a great movie, but it didn't do too well in, in the box office. Right. Clive Barker's Nightbreed came out, and they... They didn't really know how to market that, and that one was a bit of a failure. You know, in the middle there, the horror market briefly dried up a bit. And the director, Rolf, says what kind of saved his movie is it's it's actually as much comedy as it is anything else. And when he was writing the script, he went out and watched a whole bunch of horror movies. He just went to the video store, he said, and just rented a whole bunch. And he said that after a while, he just got tired of noticing that they were all pretty much the same, that they all had followed the same cliches and things. Mm-hmm. So he's about three or four pages into writing the script, and he said, you know, why don't I just 
make this movie kind of about that. And so he put a character in there, which he said is kind of basically me, <laughs> who's very self-aware, who's who's pointing out the fact that this is like a horror movie, that the situation they're in is like a horror movie. And then flat out, there's some fourth wall breaking in here, you know, some t- t- talking directly about the situations that are that are going on. And all of this predates Scream, by about five years. <laughs> so it, it's really unknown whether Kevin Williamson had seen this when he was writing Scream or this was any influence on him and Wes Craven, but uh, there are some parallels to be made. It's a very different kind of movie from Scream. Yeah. But the movie ended up getting sold to like HBO. So basically just to, to video and cable markets after doing some uh, circuits on the festivals. I, I even read that he said that Robert Zemeckis saw the movie. Somehow um, through a friend of a friend or whatever, he got it in front of Robert Zemeckis who watched it and he said he wasn't blown away by it but he liked it and he basically told him well this proves that you know how to make a movie so write a script that's really really good that everybody wants to do and then say that you want to direct it and then show them this movie to prove that you can direct so this movie did get him into the business and he's been working really really hard and pretty steadily ever since so he is about the only thing to come out of this movie most of the other actors and actresses in the film didn't move on to do anything else yeah i didn't recognize anybody um i didn't even bother to write people's names down because i didn't think that it would be anybody that anybody would recognize Mm -hmm. gosh i don't know i i don't want to be a debbie downer but it it's you know he made it when he was a kid yeah he was 20 yeah yeah and um wrote it when he was even younger than that and it feels like that to some extent (laughs) it does however i mean for being a first effort and and the fact that he was literally a kid when he wrote it and and arguably still a kid when he directed it it's not bad but it it does uh definitely have that kind of amateurish feel yeah a, a little bit and of course you know being his first outing and and him not having you know a name to fall back on it's low budget and it shows yeah but uh you know there's there are some clever things going on really i almost felt like the self-referential stuff was i mean i think it it, it's supposed to be silly you know it's it's clearly intended to be a comedy it doesn't take itself seriously at all when it comes down to it it's a monster movie Mm -hmm. the monster is (laughs) to to put it nicely a practical effect really basically what it looked like to me was some sort of puppet that somebody constructed and they just kind of shook around (laughs) and and really like literally at some points somebody off screen was clearly just kind of throwing this puppet at them yeah (laughs) they they clearly had to get really creative shooting around the puppet and and actually i think they do a better job than many uh, of these low budget movies do at least of of not exposing it too much on the screen at least to, yeah. to, toward the end. And he said actually when he was writing this and decided to make a monster movie, he purposely chose to make this small creature because anything bigger that gets kind of humanoid it always just looks like a guy in a rubber suit, he said, especially right. at the at the level I'm going to be working. So he thought he'd hedge his bets and get a smaller little tentacled creature going with it and uh, I think it was Image Works 
um, studio uh, put that together for him. So yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting little creature. And like you said, it's also one of those that kind of breaks the laws of physics in a way. Just like when we were doing Puppet Master and some of these other movies, we talk about how you could just kick these puppets across the room. Right. <laughs> this creature, like once it's up on you, like there's no wrestling with it, right? You should be able to just toss it off you. So uh, <laughs> there are just moments of that where you're right. It looks like somebody just chucked the creature through the air. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's part of the charm, I think. You know, honestly, I think it's part of the charm of the movie. I was just going to say the same thing. I mean, th- there is something charming about that. And there is also something charming about people coming together and putting together something on a shoestring budget. And it looks like they had a good time. But it, it, it also looks like some college kids... Pooled their money together. <laughs> outing. Yeah, I yeah, know. I mean, like... It is. And, and there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Everybody's got to get their start somewhere. And, you know, I, I know that in one of your many incarnations that you have been a filmmaker and that you have done virtually the same thing. I, I mean, maybe not... Exactly the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you pull together your friends and, and people who are willing to... You know, all of these actors worked on deferred payment. Uh, I, I don't know how much, if anything, any of them were paid. It really is more just a, a labor of love than anything else. You know, it's it's for the love of filmmaking and for the love of these types of movies and um, I, I can't imagine that they expected much to come of it and, no, and yeah. not a whole lot did and that's all right but uh, you got to appreciate it when people take their passions and and really try to do something with them because I can sit behind a computer screen all day and and rag on movies but I've never made a movie yeah you know so <laughs> <laughs> well you have to start somewhere, right? Yeah. And uh, you're, you're lucky if the thing that you start with, it doesn't just, you know, sit on nowadays, doesn't just sit on your computer and nobody else sees it. You know, I mean, yeah. at least uh, with this, it was shot on film. It's been shown on cable uh, it, and it's been on video. It uh, later on got picked up by Troma and redistributed as a two DVD box set for oh, wow. you know, its 20th anniversary. I don't know what they filled those two DVDs with. I have but, no idea. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it's it's not bad. I mean, it's it's bad, but it's not it's got some yeah. charm to it. That's what I remembered about it. And so when I went back and watched it again, I really wasn't... If anything, I was a little pleasantly surprised at um, how clever I thought it was in some places. There, Like, the cinematography in this movie is really either one direction or the other. Either it's really bland and boring, um, mm. especially when it gets to, like, fight sequences and things like that. I mean, it's clear that... Nobody here is a stuntman, and uh, they don't really know how to stage these fight scenes. And so the cuts are really rather jarring and a little confusing to try to kind of hide the fact that they couldn't really throw this guy across the room into a wall. You know, stuff like that. But then transitions between scenes, some of the POV photography with that creature going through, very reminiscent of Evil Dead. Uh It's surely a reference there. And then these crane shots, like there are a lot of these, especially toward the beginning of the this movie, these big swooping, which gives the movie, at least at first, a little bit of a bigger budget feel. And it turns out, I was reading that that um, this was another one of those deals, like uh, there was a guy with a 19-foot crane who happened to be nearby in the town where they were filming this and allowed them to use it as long as they he could just keep it on their set for a few weeks. So <laughs> they just kind of scrapped together these resources to get what they could. Well, and then, you know, of course, then there are also some rookie mistakes, too. You know, there are... Uh, 
I, I notice at least a couple of times there are scenes where you can see the crew in oh, reflections. reflections. Yeah. yeah. Which, you know, whatever happens even in big budget movies, but it, it's just one of those things that I'm sure a, a new filmmaker, you learn from your mistakes. You know, you talked about uh, breaking the fourth wall, and, and there is. I, I almost wish that it had been a little bit more decisive, and whoever is making these decisions, the the director or whomever it was, I wish that it had been a little bit more decisive. Like, if, if you're going to break the fourth wall, just do it. Just do it all the time. Mm, make it a thing. Yeah, like, it, it, it was a little bit jarring to me. There's one point at the end where one guy's running around, running away from the monster, and it's like, he can't figure out how he's going to get away, so he jumps up and swings off of the boom mic. Yeah, like, it's like he jumps up and the boom mic is suddenly in the frame, and he looks at it for a second and swings off of it, and there's sort of an Indiana Jones-type sound effect for it. <laughs> yeah, and, and like that was funny, but it only happens once. You know, yeah. I, I feel like if you're going to do that... Go for it. Make that make that a gimmick. It's a very Mel Brooks thing to do. But you're right. Like yeah. Mel Brooks has a consistency where he's going to do that two or three times. You know, you expect right. it. Mm-hmm. In that it only happened once. I don't know. It, it it just felt almost a little bit out of place. But again, I'm I I don't want to be too critical because it's it's not a masterpiece and and they, that's not what they were going for. So you know, okay, cool. So. You, you had an idea in the moment, and you went ahead and decided to play with the boom mic, and, and fine. You know, it, yeah. it, it was a funny gag in the moment, so great, whatever. Well, I, speaking of good moments, I thought it started off really strong. Oh, yeah, yeah. I loved that opening scene. That was probably, <laughs> frankly, it was probably my favorite part, even though I found it to be kind of confusing, and ultimately, like, it, it, it seems kind of like it like it's tagged on it's like you know a red I mean? herring kind of thing yeah it, it, it yeah. i think it was i think they shot that later in fact i think the original script just opened up with this girl driving down uh, in a car and just uh, kind of blanking out and, and crashing herself this gives kind of a reason why she's crashed it gives her kind of a, a daydream or whatever that she spaced out on which is there's a girl working in a video a woman working in a video store somebody kind of comes in but you don't see who it is but he's dressed in black and she doesn't really notice him but then Fangoria's Weekend of Horrors gets slapped down on the counter and she turns around but she doesn't see anybody there and she goes to find the tape and then an arm reaches out and grabs her and pretty soon she's getting chased through the video store and she ends up cornered in the horror section and it's so cool like first of all for us right we're totally geeking out like there are all these real covers of real horror movies that are so familiar to us but it's also like they're tormenting her these covers It'll get shots of of the covers real close up, like she's turning left, she's turning right, and all she's seeing are these things, and there's sound effects and screams and and, and all that as she's being backed and backed and backed away. Uh, and then the killer like starts tossing like the tape at her, like literally like the tape out of the tape, uh-huh. so she's covered in tape, like you'd be covered in like a film reel or something, and and backs out through a door, which is, I guess, on the second floor. I don't know. It's all kind of weird. And, <laughs> and as she falls out, the tape gets caught in the door and kind of hangs her. But then she wakes up and she's in a car. Driving. Driving. <laughs> and then, like, crashes into uh, <laughs> a tree. But that scene was so awesome. <laughs> it was. I mean, and, and I knew, you know, watching it, I knew that you and I were going to feel the same way about it because it's so nostalgic. I mean, those are exactly the video stores that we grew up with. You know, these local video stores where they just had, you know, the VHS boxes on the shelves and you just have to browse the 
covers and, and you find the one that you want and you would take it up to the counter and they would have the, the actual videotapes behind the counter or in a room behind the counter, almost like a library, and they would go pull the very generic plastic box with the actual videotape in it and give it to you. It, it totally just took me back to my childhood. And the fact that most, if not all, of those videos in in the store were four actual movies from the 80s that we grew up with and loved. and um, Some of them we've done on the show here. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just a really kind of fun way to, to start it out, and I felt like it did a good job of establishing the atmosphere. You know, like, yeah, this is gonna be one of those movies that you would just randomly see on the shelf and know nothing about, but it looks interesting and you pull it off and, and you take it home and watch it and you have no idea what you're getting into, but yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> so she, she crashes her car and then <laughs> a weird sucky, <laughs> I well, didn't even know what, a big green this... glowing orb comes down from the heavens and uh this is another one of those sweeping camera angles you know where it kind of goes for her crash sweeps up to the sky this big green orb comes down and it sweeps across that and and it goes down into a puddle of mud and uh she looks out her window and you're right these big sucky things tentacles come up on the it's very typical i mean it's a very reminiscent of like a 50s b-movie at this point oh yeah 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 mm-hmm. except for a little bit smaller in scale you, you know in those 50s and 60s b-movies this thing would be the size of a car but here it's it's more the size of like a medium-sized dog you yeah. know? <laughs> and, and it, it, it's hard to describe this thing i mean we don't see it in its entirety right away we see that it's kind of got these like tentacles with like suckers on the end Ultimately, when it's revealed, it's hard to describe. It reminds me of kind of like when we were kids there just for a little bit, they would market these toys, like these monster toys. Like, I feel like they were called like Boglins or something like that. You put your fingers through them and uh, they'd have these rubbery arms that would bounce around and you could make it open and close. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's a good way of putting it, actually. That's exactly what it reminded me of. You know, it's got kind of a small squat body, almost kind of like a toad or something. It looks like a frog. Long arms. It looks like a frog with a big, wide mouth uh, and a lot of teeth. And then these arms. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of inexplicable how it moves around. Like, <laughs> it doesn't even look like it has any legs or anything. At like. one point, it pulls itself across the kitchen floor with its tentacles, as you would expect this thing to do. But by that point, we've seen this thing in POV shots and stuff, like just literally flying through the air. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is a camera. <laughs> it's just flying yeah. through the air. It's like sweeping up staircases and like flying into doorways. It just Yeah, we never, we don't really see what happens to this girl. She kind of gets attacked. Um, but before we actually see, well, her car gets attacked, I guess, is a better way of putting it. And then it cuts to this scene in a high school um, in an English class, which is so hilarious to me because the <laughs> the the kids in the class look older than the teacher. Oh yeah, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> I thought maybe one of them was volunteering to teach the class that day. That's exactly what it looked like. <laughs> Typical for these movies. Yeah, it's very typical. You know, the the teacher can't get the kids to engage at all, and they're all just sitting there staring at the clock. And um, she's like, "I bet you know when spring break starts." And they're all like, 30 seconds." Mm-hmm. And 
the bell rings and it's like, you know, Greece when the bell rings at the end <laughs> and they all run out like, yeah. <laughs> I know I know this is exactly how your last day of school was, right, this year? Is that pretty much how it goes? You all stand and sit and stare at the clock, and then when the bell rings and everybody springs out of their seats, you roll yeah, your you eyes. Learn, you learn, <laughs> you learn uh, when you get into the teaching profession that the teachers are watching that clock just as closely, if not more so, than the students. <laughs> and the teachers are out of there just as fast and just as excitedly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do they, yeah, they need to, in one of these movies, show the shot of the back of the school where the teachers are bursting out of the back door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> running true. to their cars in the staff parking lot. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so then we're introduced to this group of kids that are going to go off to one of their parents' cabin in the woods, um, literally. Yeah. And there there are seven of them, and, you know, we probably name them as we go along, but it, it's just your typical group, you know? You've got... David the smart one, because he yeah, has glasses. Yeah, David the, the nerd one, because he's got glasses. <laughs> Janet, the Brazilian foreign exchange student, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> Doreen, who's like the hot blonde. Nick, it's his parents' cabin, and he's kind of like the all-American boy. Then there's Jim, who's like the hunky one, who is hooked up with Doreen. And Stacy is the only brunette, and she's with Nick. And then there's the horror movie guy, Mike. Mike the Mouth. (laughs) Yep, yep, exactly. And he's us, you know, he's the, the... goofy guy who makes lots of jokes and knows all of these horror movie references. So they head out there, and the first thing that happens is they pass by that car wreck, and Mike immediately thinks, oh my gosh. Well, this was a fun vacation, Nick. Too bad we have to go home now. Come on, you're not going to let a little thing like that scare you, are you? Yeah, well, not bad. Can we please go home? Look, take the wheel, rotate it. Forget it, man. We've gone this far. We're going all the way. You don't understand. We just went through a warning. Don't forget, I have rented out every single horror film on videotape, and what we just went through is called a warning stage. Come on. None of us girls are scared. Are you? What is this, peer pressure? Is that what we're talking about now? Really, Mike, it's logically stupid for you to be worried by this. Logically stupid? Is that what you said? Logically stupid? Is this the person representing brilliance on our trip? Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go! Mistake number one. (laughs) And and these guys show up in these movies all the time. Like in, in the actual film, the the cabin in the woods you know there's one of these guys and and in scream there's the guy that knows all about the horror movies and and it's clever you know because they they do know so many references and the shtick of course is that nobody believes them and oh you, you stupid mike always thinking it's a horror movie or whatever when of course it's true yeah. <laughs> they are in a horror movie. I don't know. This guy, they all end up getting annoyed with him. Yeah. And I think I would have too. Oh, I was it annoyed was a with them. much. I was yeah. annoyed with them. <laughs> By the time they made it to the house, I mean, you know, they're outside talking about how they're all going to go off to this cabin in the woods. And of course, there are going to be no adults there. And they're like five bedrooms. And Mike's like, cabin in the woods, cabin in the woods. Are you crazy? What's going on? And But he ends up going. And then it's like, oh, this is mistake number one. Can you believe it? it's mistake number one? And they're like, okay, Mike, all right, shut up. And then they get into the house and they're like, are you crazy? We're in the house now. We got to lock the doors. We got to close the things. It's like broad daylight. And and everyone's looking at him. And I'm thinking, oh my God, get, 
get this guy out of here. Yeah. Why is he even there? You know, like, <laughs> but it's funny because I would have attributed it to really lousy writing. And it's not great writing, you know, but he's just he's just a little too on about this all the time. Uh-huh. I mean, he really the is. The whole movie, yeah. But the fact that all of the other characters in the movie are just as annoyed with him as we are, you know, they're not just old silly Mike or whatever. They're just like, all right, dude, like, fucking shut up. You know? Right, <laughs> you're, yeah, you're, you're, yeah. you're killing our vibe here. Uh, it It's cool. I mean, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm with you all on this. Mike is an annoying character, and I'm glad we all recognize that. <laughs> yeah. And and then, you know, it, it just, it hits all the notes. You know, there are a bunch of horny teenagers, you know, out in the woods by themselves, and so they, they start hooking up and I, I love the bit where where you know one of the things he's riffing on it's like now what are we gonna do are we all gonna take walks in the woods are we all gonna go skinny dipping or whatever and then like the next yeah. scene this van inexplicably pulls up eight guys and ladies leap out of the back of this van and as the van opens up there's like smoke pouring out of it like yeah. they've all been high they all strip down and leap into this uh this pond river pond thing right next to the house and just have a skinny dipping party and yeah. <laughs> Just, just, just out of nowhere. There's lots of nudity in the movie. There is. <laughs> so if if you came to the show for the boobies, you are in luck. Well, and usually this is the part where all the bad people show up at the movie, and then they join the group, and you know you just have more people to off. But right. it's like they lean out and they're like, uh, "Where are you guys?" And they're like, "This isn't the lake of blah 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 or whatever," and they're kind of going back and forth, and then they just. Okay, and they just leave. <laughs> and they pile in their van and they leave, and we never see them again. They're like, "Wait, isn't this the camp by the lake?" And the guy's like, "No, it's the house by the pond." And he was like, "Oh, sorry, we thought it was the camp by the lake." <laughs> so they splash around a little more, and then they leave, and then yeah. you never see them again. It's so funny. Uh, it, it, it was. I mean, it's silly, but yeah, it it, it was funny. Well, and then like, uh, how many other times in this movie do the do the rest of them end up skinny dipping? I mean, it's there's at least two more scenes of skinny dipping. Mm-hmm. Like they can't stay away from there. <laughs> well, and and it's just it's. <sighs> It's just silly little stuff. Like, I feel like I can't really explain the vibe of the movie. Uh, you just kind of have to see it. But, like, even when they first get there, I don't even know what has set, you know, Mike off, aside from the car wreck or whatever. But even when they first get there, they are just they get out of the car and they're just standing there and he's going on, oh, I don't know, we, we better be careful. It's the horror movie or whatever. And the bushes behind him just shake. It's obvious, even in the credits, somebody's credited as the bush shaker. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like they, they just shake and he kind of catches it out of the corner of his eye and he kind of looks back and he says something and then he looks back and it shakes again. Uh, you know, it's just these, these yes. silly, silly little... It's it's like he's shaggy from Scooby-Doo. He is, exactly. To be fair, these are things that happen in legit horror movies. Mm-hmm. But when you place them in this context, it just seems so goofy. Yeah. And it is, I guess, ultimately. Yeah, I mean, there's something about it that works, but it doesn't quite work. Like, I bet the script is smarter than the movie ended up being, you know? Yeah. I think if you had <laughs> taken the script and put it in the hands of um, not all amateur people, they probably would have gotten 
a little higher caliber of everything out of it, it probably would have come across a little smart. Maybe a little bit of rewriting, of course, especially some of the dialogue. A lot of the dialogue does kind of feel like I was written by an 18-year-old, right. to be completely honest, who's trying a little too hard. A lot of Mike's dialogue, a lot of Mike's jokes and the stuff that he says is completely inappropriate to the situation. Mm-hmm. Like what they just finish running from a monster and then you know, they, they come back into the room and they shut it off. Or, or, or my favorite one is when uh, they're in the basement. This basement, which I feel like they keep acting like it's this huge basement, but it's a room almost the size of a walk-in closet. <laughs> At one point later in the movie, Mike is down in there with Stacy. And they know this creature's out running around, and he has to leave to go do something inexplicably. So he leaves Stacy down there by herself, and she's freaking out because there's a mouse and backing up against an open window. He ends up coming through the open window. He reaches his hand out and grabs her shoulder, and she goes, ah! And he says, someone paying you to stand in front of an open window, or is that your own idea? Yeah, there's some razor blades in the corner you can play with next. Would you like to do that? Let's get this window boarded up first, mm, please. Like he goes on and on like a person who thinks they're funny, but then they, they're like supremely annoying. And it's like they their version of humor is just to point out stupid things that other people are doing and say that it's stupid. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I agree with you. I think I, I have to give Ralph Konefsky credit because he was a kid when he wrote it. So I'm not expecting any real level of sophistication but like you said in somebody else's hands like you put this in Joss Whedon's hands or 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 somebody else oh, yeah. who is a little bit more mature and who has refined their talents a little bit more it could have been really funny but some of the writing is just laughably bad like at one point the hot girl Doreen falls down and somebody says to her oh i think you broke your head like it just <laughs> just, just silly lines like that god yeah. i i we, what was that bit when they're standing out it's when they first get there or whatever and uh one guy looks out and says hey what is that and uh the guy who owns it nick says oh that's an indian sweat lodge and, and yeah. then and then uh somebody else it's pops the in nerd and, oh it's the nerd who pops in and says david's hey, like is that an ancient Indian sweat lodge? <laughs> yeah. Uh, somebody told me the Indians used to use those to, the male Indians used to use those to increase their sexual virility. Care if I check it out? Like, <laughs> <laughs> sure, go ahead. And I thought that that would be like a part of the movie. Like that would come oh, into play too. later. Like, I thought surely something would go down in the ancient Indian sweat lodge, but no, they just have one. <laughs> and that's the last you see of it or hear of it. Yeah. So, you know, as happens, in these movies, eventually they start splitting off from one another, and the first people to go out are David the nerd, Janet the foreign exchange student, who they're apparently a couple. I read that um, initially she, in the script, was written as the female nerd counterpart uh, for David, but when they cast this girl, and she was from Brazil, they're like, huh, okay, yeah. we'll make her the foreign we'll exchange student. We'll, we'll, we'll work with it. <laughs> Whatever. I think they cast the girls primarily for their looks. I think most of them were models at the time. Yeah, I mean, it would make sense. Yeah. You know, they're they're all buxom young beauties. Gosh, I don't know. I mean, they they go out and... Well, and she's like talking about a scene in a horror movie that she saw that basically mim- mimics what they're doing. Oh, in this couple, they go out into the woods all alone and then they start making that out. That was really on the nose. Yeah. Like... Yeah. 
Like, it was, okay, all right, I get it. He gets attacked by the monster. This is the first time we see a little bit more of the monster, and there's a bit of blood and gore. And she gets her pants ripped off <laughs> by the monster. Now, yeah, like, it, it, it attacks him and, like, immediately starts to eat him, but real quick it snatches her skirt off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> so then she has to run around in her panties just because. Yeah. Um, and and then she like it does it's it's eating him and it doesn't even chase her she just runs face first into a tree <laughs> <laughs> and then we don't see her for a while no yeah but I knew you know she she's clearly knocked out and I'm like oh well all right she'll be out for a while but she'll show back up later and yeah. of course she does even before that happened they had dinner and they heard a noise inside they went inside and and a pan had just fallen down but it had this mysterious mysterious green goo all over it and mm-hmm. um even you know even some of these smaller things like that you suspend your disbelief when you're watching these types of movies but that would give me pause like yeah. <laughs> well, like something clearly happened and the girl who made uh the dinner stacy she's like well that's where all the leftover chicken was and instead of them being like oh that's weird they're like oh already are well then that makes sense i thought that chicken tasted kind of off and she's like hey <laughs> <laughs> that is like the level that we're working with here to be quite honest in, in much of this movie yeah the acting is not great and then mike is like oh it just proves that we got to barricade the doors and lock the windows and i'm thinking but this means it's inside <laughs> Yeah, you know, whatever you think it is, and then he's oh, I know it's got it's either got to be an alien or uh, oh, how about the shower scene that this girl gets uh, strips down and steps into the shower and gets wet, but all we see is like her face and her stomach for a while. I thought that was kind of kind of weird. I thought it was kind of weird. It's funny that you describe it the way that you do because I thought it was. Like, you know, you see naked girls in showers in these horror movies all the time. But, like, I felt like they made a point of, like, uh, mm -hmm, do-do-do, okay, I'm washing my vagina now. (laughs) (laughs) Washing my hair. Like, usually the girls just stand in the shower and let the water cascade over them, but this, she was cleaning up she left she she gets the, the the shampoo out and lathers up her hair that you don't usually see but i just thought it was funny how like they were showing i thought oh this must be the actress who had in her contract that she wasn't going to go topless for this movie no not at all just not in this oh, no. exploitive shower scene were they going to uh i guess maybe they just didn't want to reveal the goods too soon <laughs> yeah, I, I and and at some point, I mean, it's it's hard to talk about the plot because really, through the bulk of this middle part, they realize that there's a monster. It exposes itself to them, and they know, and so they're really just kind of running around a lot. Yeah, you know, running to different rooms of the house, running outside, running back inside. At some point, before the monster is completely revealed, even though I feel like Mike, our main guy, maybe he's seen it. But Doreen sees it first because she's making out with Jim and she looks over and sees these green eyes staring at her and they zap her. They, well, they, That's they, when we find they, out the monster has eye lasers. They don't zap her yet. <laughs> she does see uh, the green eyes. But then 
they end up some for some reason they end up in a basement and a cat falls out of the sky. And yes, this was my favorite scene. <laughs> I just thought it was it's a, really it's a cat scare, right? And it was funny because again, it's very on the nose, but in this case, it's funny that it gets called out. Yeah, because this does happen all the time in these <laughs> in these movies. Like literally, a cat falls out of the sky. Yeah, he just looks up and he's like, "Where did it come from? There's nothing up here but ceiling." I love how these animals just fall out of nowhere right into your hands. And what they do, just hang up there by their claws and wait for people to pass by. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Doreen, so, I don't know, somebody says something like, oh, it's a cat with beautiful green eyes. And Doreen's like, mm. oh, I did see something with green eyes. And they're like, oh, well, that must, must be have the been cat. the cat. Okay. Oh, please. Uh, these were glowing green eyes that right. you saw. And and so they're pissed at Mike at this point, and so they lock him in the basement for the night. Mm-hmm. And all of this, you know, is in between semi-graphic sex scenes. I, I, I don't even know, you know, how to, you know, chronologically put them in order, but just be aware that every five to ten minutes you're going to get a relatively graphic sex scene in the first 45 minutes of this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, again, you know, that's what you get when you have a 16, 18-year-old kid writing a horror movie and a 20-year-old, then that same 20-year-old kid producing and and making the horror movie. Heck yeah. Dude, this must have been like his favorite thing ever. Can you imagine? Oh my god, all these beautiful <laughs> girls. Okay, well, I think you should probably be naked now. And... Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then halfway through the movie, you're just going to spend the rest of the movie in your bikini. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens to Stacy. Yeah. <laughs> and you see other people, like they come out of water and they put clothes on or they throw jackets on. She's still running around next to them in her bikini. Uh-huh. It's it's great. The whole yeah. last part. And I wasn't complaining. No, it's totally Oh, funny. no. She's she's really pretty. I <laughs> Her acting. By the way, yeah. no, her acting fa- is is terrible. But she uh, is one of the other few people who went on to do something, but not in the acting realm. This is her only movie. But her name is Bonnie Bowers, and I I looked her up, and she was a model at this time. She was on the Howard Stern show. Remember when Howard Stern back in the early nineties, late eighties had like a TV show? Mm, yeah. And he'd always bring on women in bikinis just to be there and to joke around with. She was on there. There's a clip on YouTube you can find. But now, since this movie, she has been a bass guitarist for a reggae band. And apparently very accomplished because she's got tons of clips up on YouTube. She's still touring. She's got her own website and uh, makes a living putting out albums of reggae. Yeah, I should. Quite interesting. I should have looked because I, I didn't even click on any of them. You know, I, I looked at their cast, the cast list online, and I didn't even click on any of them because most of them didn't even have a headshot on there. Like, yeah. So that that she's one of the few. Yeah, that indicates that they haven't done much when they don't even have a headshot on there. And and she was one of the few that did, but I didn't check her out. But Mike has to the the creature attacks him in the basement, and he breaks a, a piece of pipe. So when they wake up in the morning, the water doesn't work, uh, and the basement is flooded. So Nick, whose parents own the house, he leaves uh, and takes their only car to go get a plumber. And then he's gone for a while, and then that's when the creature attacks. Everybody sees it. Yes, Doreen gets shot in the eyes with these lasers, which look to... I mean, it just... It's funny, 
because it looks bad, but it does. I mean, yeah. it just looks dumb, and it's like pew pew, you know, like <laughs> yeah, literally, <laughs> like these silly green lasers. And of course, I knew that it had to be something, you know, like it's not like nothing's going to come of it. And and apparently, when these people get uh, hit with the lasers, then they are mind-controlled or possessed or something. And so Doreen attacks them eventually, and people start dying. The the hunky one, whatever his name is, Jim, gets attacked by the creature, and it, like, splooges on his face. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Okay. <laughs> well, it does. <laughs> well... And then uh, his face melts off. Yeah, that was just a gratuitous scene to have in there so that they could do the face melting effect. Because it kept cutting back to that over and over and over again. Yeah. Like, look, his face is melting a little more. Don't forget, this guy's face is melting. And Mike is sitting there just staring at it while this creature's running around downstairs terrorizing everybody else. And then um, Doreen, when she gets possessed or whatever and starts going after them, eventually uh, there's this whole sequence was it before this? Was it was it when he and Jim are fighting? He and Jim have this almost Three Stooges-esque kind of battle in the living room because Jim is pissed at Mike for something. Yeah, I don't remember what it was. I actually thought the fight was not bad, and, and I read that they, all, well, they did their own stunts, and so for these amateurs to choreograph, it went on for a while, and they were throwing each other around, and... I didn't think it, it was, was interesting. Yeah. No, it wasn't terrible, but some of it didn't make sense. Like they jump on this cart and then this cart flies across the room and then inexplicably is out on the deck and careens towards the stairwell where it just suddenly stops. You know, I mean, again, it all could make sense, but the way it was shot, just some of it, the physics didn't quite work. Well, it's slapsticky. And and I think Well, yeah, I, I but I don't mean in a be, way that Right? Don't didn't you get that? I mean, you said Three Stooges. I mean, it's meant to be slapsticky, but even the Three Stooges, I mean, it makes sense. He swings a board around and whacks sure, this guy, sure, you gotcha. know? They yeah. go into something, and you know what I mean. It's just, um, and then I think at this point, in the middle of this, Doreen comes and attacks them both and whatever, and then she ends up face first through a window, the back window, and the pane of glass that hasn't broken yet slides down on her and decapitates her, which was uh-huh. one of the more gory, shocking scenes in the movie. That oh, yeah. I mean, it, it looks entirely fake. It's Oh, it cl- does. It's true. It's a clear switch out from the actress to a mannequin. You only see the back of her head, so... Yeah. But again, you know, good. Go for it. Mike comes back at some point like like they he's not in the basement when they go to look for him the next day but then after the attacks start happening Stacy runs into him outside and at this point it's almost like haha told you so and his dialogue gets even more sticky than it was before but yeah. right when she runs into him it is pretty funny there's there's some uh funny dialogue there and the creature tries to attack them like from behind a tree and he like ties its arms around the tree <laughs> i mean it's it's just yeah. goofy yeah it doesn't make sense, but it's... And then there's one point where the creature... Okay, so it killed Sexy Jim, and then it went after Stacy. Yeah. It's just so funny the way that they shot it, because part of it is POV from the creature's perspective, and part of it is not. But either way you're looking at it, it's very clear that the creature, rather than trying to, like, melt her face off, 
is trying to get in between her legs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and somebody says it Mike. says something yeah. about how it hasn't killed any of the girls. And he's like, and somebody says, well, maybe it wants them for some other purpose. And they're like, hmm, what? And Mike's like, oh, maybe it wants to reproduce. And Stacy's like, well, you know what? It did feel like it was trying to. (laughs) (laughs) That's some clever writing. That's why I said moments of brilliance in this movie. Their comic timing was dead on with that one, I think. Yeah, it was pretty funny. And then at some point, Janet comes back. I don't even remember what happens to her. Does she get killed again? She gets killed in the living room, but not before her shirt is torn open. Well, and, and it, I thought that it was kind of like too. tries to mate with her too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Doreen kills her actually uh, before she's decapitated. Oh, with the bat. That's right. For the rest of the movie, until somebody throws a a rug over her, every now and then we see her just laying there with her boobs hanging out. Across the yeah. back of the sofa. Yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, and then Nick comes back, and immediately the creature attacks him. So he throws the cat at it. That was. <sighs> there were so many funny things like that that I just thought were absolutely hilarious. Like mm-hmm. you know, the creature attacks him, and he looks around, and all he sees is the cat. So he grabs the cat and throws the cat at the creature. I thought that was so funny. The other thing, and this is one of those things that it's so stupid that it's funny, is that Mike's main weapon against the creature is shaving cream. Yeah. Because nobody likes a mouthful of shaving cream. (laughs) That's the line. (laughs) Yeah. And then he's, like, armed with, like, multiple cans of shaving cream in these inner pockets of his jacket for the rest of the movie. And he keeps pulling them out and just shooting shaving cream around. Like, even when the creature's not there, it's like... I didn't know if he was, like marking territory or like oh the creature must hate shaving cream so i'll spray some right here and then it won't like what like what is even happening (laughs) it kind of boggles the mind i read you know an interview with the director and he was mentioning this part and he said that that was kind of an la thing that like when they were kids they would and you can take like and heat up a pin and put it in the the sprayer of the shaving cream to uh, to open up that hole just a little wider so you can get a nice big spray and get some distance on it. And he said, like, during Halloween or whatever, they would run around and have shaving cream fights or whatever. Oh, my I gosh. I guess it's a thing that he then decided, oh, I'll throw that in the movie where it makes very little sense. It did. <laughs> it, it felt very trauma, which is fine but it was just really goofy and then so nick is back and a bunch of them are dead i don't know and they're trying to run away and i feel like they get in the car Mm -hmm. and mike says there are just a few rules he says don't look in its eyes avoid the green slime and did i hear right did he say and whatever you do don't try to kiss it is that what he said (laughs) That's what he said. I didn't know if he was referring to the reproduction part, and that was supposed to be a funny reference or what, but... I didn't get it at all. Like, wait, what? Okay, but whatever. So they they try to escape in the car, but the creature jumps on the hood and starts shooting lasers at them, and... Intensely. They end up... (laughs) Intensely, yeah. And they end up driving into the pond. And the plumber has shown up, and he gets attacked and killed. Um, So all the youngins get back to the house and they set up some weird like home alone trap with mirrors and shaving cream and 
I didn't really know what they were doing. <laughs> we get a musical montage, and it's like Mike says, all right, here's the plan. Collect all the mirrors and all the light bulbs and all the flashlights that you can in the house. And the music kicks on, and it's all these scenes them run around, tiny little light bulbs, the light bulb from like the refrigerator, the light bulb from the oven, the lights and all the lamps and things. I'm thinking... All these different sized light bulbs from all these different sized sockets. Like, yeah. what purpose is this going to serve? And it doesn't seem to. Because I never they understood just... <laughs> what they did with them. Like, they just ran around and collected these tons of light bulbs. And then did they even do anything with them? She, well, she had a handful of regular sized light bulbs. Stacy did. And she's standing up on a chair on one end of the room. And then Mike is standing up on a chair in another part of the room. And Nick is standing up on a chair in another part of the room. And then they see the creature come in and it's all dark. And they're using the flashlights to like, like somehow the creature is attracted to light or something. They play with it like a cat. <laughs> yeah, like a cat. Yeah, like a laser pointer with a cat or something. And, and they bring it towards a mirror. And uh, I guess the idea was it thinks it's going towards someone because it can see their reflection, but it's really just the mirror. And so then it, it bashes itself into the mirror and then they turn on another light and do it. And then I'm thinking, what is she doing with the light bulbs, right? She's just throwing them on the ground so that they shatter. And that is the sound, I guess, it's supposed to attract him to different parts of the room. But again, there didn't seem to be a master plan to all this. It was all kind of... All kind of yeah, bizarre. I didn't really get it. It does end up in the in the oven. In the oven, and and that made sense to me, kind of. Like you know, <laughs> if you just put one mirror in front of the oven, you know, <laughs> like Jurassic Park style, you know, like <laughs> you know, trick it into thinking you're there or whatever. And, and, but that's what eventually happens, and it, so it ends up in the oven, and somebody's holding it in there, and it's very tense, like it might get out or. Uh, whatever and at some point like it almost gets out and it grabs stacy and it shoots lasers in her eyes so then she's possessed and she attacks nick but somehow they keep it in there long enough that eventually it explodes which i guess breaks its spell on stacy and uh, they all take off in the plumber's van and then there's this interesting bit that I thought was supposed to be funny, but I just thought, eh, where they, uh, the, the girl yeah. who had crashed earlier in the movie yeah. flags them down, and they pull her into the, into the van, and as they're driving, they put two and two together of who she is. They're asking her these questions. She says, oh, you know, my stomach hurts or whatever. And he's like, really? Have you had, <laughs> have you had any kinky sex lately? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then what? like they look at her eyes. Your eyes are green. She says, yeah, they've been green since birth. I was born with green eyes. And then uh, the next shot is they've kicked her out they of the van. Out and they throw her out of the van. They can't make the van keeps going. And that's it. And that's the end. I actually thought that gag at the end was kind of funny. I, I didn't really anticipate that girl coming back. I mean, we had heard when they drove by, the cops said that they hadn't found a body yet. So that should have been an indication. But I, it was kind of a surprise to see her back. And I, I did think that it was funny that um, they just ultimately just threw her out of the van and, threw her out. and went on without <laughs> We're her. We're messing with this. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and then that's the end. And then there's a cheesy 80s song over the credits. I actually thought the music in this was kind of nice. I, I enjoyed the music. It had this... Kind of um, new wave. I mean, it's dated. Oh, sure. But even the score, when it wasn't, you know, a song, when the score was going on, I, I thought it it was very... I, it's not what I expected from a low-budget film like this, was to have, like, a legitimately legitimate score behind it. You know, it's not all synth and yeah. stuff that you find in these sorts of things. And the title sequence 
was really impressive too. No, it wasn't. It looked like a screensaver. Oh come on! <laughs> this is the eighties. I this know, is the 80s. and it looked like a screensaver from the eighties, like on your no, Commodore sixty four or whatever. It was way better than that. <laughs> it looked like two thousand and one, man. Fancy in camera. It did a little bit. Visual like effects. the black hole, yeah, kind of. Yeah. yeah. Um, Before we had computer generated that's true that's true Mm -hmm. it was a long time ago the movie even though the movie came out in 1991 it has a very 80s vibe oh yeah it's classic 80s garb like at one point nick is like in slouch socks like (laughs) it's 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 very 80s which you you know i love and that's why we picked so that's fun you know overall for for a first effort, uh, it's serviceable. I, I don't think that, and it's probably because you saw it a long time ago and you've kind of got some nostalgia for it. I, I didn't think it was great. I didn't love it. I, I, I certainly wouldn't watch it again. But And I've seen other movies that are kind of similar in nature that I think are better. Like I think of like Basket Case. Mm. I, I think that Basket Case is ultimately a better movie with a similar vibe mm. but it's not bad and it's cute it's a fun little romp it, it is you know it's the kind of thing that you would when you're 11 year old me and you're up at two o'clock in the morning on a saturday morning slash sunday night and it, it pops up on cable you know i would have sat and watched it and and probably have been amused it well, it, it is amusing. The humor would have been a little more tailored to your taste at that oh, point. Oh, sure. As well, well and, so, and the boobies yeah. and uh, the guys running around and their jocks or their, you know, little tidy whities mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, I, I, I could have got down with that. Um, but uh, for the more sophisticated of you out there, <laughs> I don't we think have it's a very sophisticated Yeah, I don't think it's going to be <laughs> something that you're going to, you know, rave about. But. Yeah, you know, it's 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 just a, a little corny movie, and um, you know, I, I had never even heard of it, and it's so rare for me to have not even heard of one of these movies that we do. So it was fun. I'm glad we did it. I, I didn't love it, but it was fun. Well, I, I know I probably enjoyed it a little bit more than you did, but again, like it wasn't just the nostalgia for it. It was going back and not having seen it in so long, and, yeah. and kind of knowing that it wasn't going to be that great, and sort of being charmed by it in a way that I don't even think I was charmed by it back then. You know, maybe because my expectations were already lowered. Maybe <laughs> I was only I was punching up, you know, for for this. But uh, yeah, I thought I, I thought it was fun, and and if you're gonna go and you're gonna try to find one of these cheesy '80s horror movies that you can laugh at or laugh yeah. with, in the case of this, there are much worse things out there. I mean, this is actually pretty fun. It's got some heart. The acting's not great, but it never is. Right. The writing's not fantastic, but it rarely is. It really does have flickers of brilliance in there, I think, of, of originality, and that that there's something to be said for that. And I'm like a broken record. I say this all the time, but. You know, like, you want to sit around and and goof on a movie. This would be a good one. Or or for a date night where where you're not really particularly interested in the movie. You know, like, you just want to kind of have something on in the background while you eat popcorn and talk and do whatever you do. (laughs) Is that what you do on date nights? (laughs) Yep. <laughs> Nowadays, yes. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. Well, thank you again for listening to another episode. If you enjoyed it, please share it with a friend. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for Two Guys and a Chainsaw. Leave us a message there. Let us know what you thought of this movie. If you have good, fond memories of it, you have some cool take on it that we didn't get, we'd love to hear from you there or on our website, twoguys.red40net.com. Also, you can leave us some requests. We have a small pile of requests that we do get to, and uh, we'd love to hear the movies you want us to watch. Until next time, I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. With two guys and a chainsaw. Ah.